Hey, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to take a moment to tell you about something special. After my own cancer diagnosis, I realized the importance of having a helpful and simple resource. That's why I wrote Happiness Through Hardship, a guide and journal for cancer patients, their caregivers, and friends. Like a good friend, this book will provide practical tips and resources, as well as stories providing hope. If you or someone you know has been diagnosed, I encourage you to send them a copy of my book. Half the proceeds also go to the Cancer Couch Foundation, where 100% of the donations are matched and fund metastatic breast cancer research. Please go to prettywellness.com forward slash book to learn more, or you can buy directly on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Target.com. And here we are. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, which is a cancer guide and journal for patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast, Happiness Through Hardship. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. Now, if you like these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe or follow. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. And now... For this episode, I am honored to introduce you to Tess Tevez, an occupational therapist who focuses on cancer and sexuality. Tess is the founder of Connectable Therapies, author of A Better Normal, and Stage 3 Cancer Survivor. On today's episode, Tess shares tons of tips and resources and how we can find more intimacy even when our body is going through tons of changes. So please, grab your favorite drink get cozy, and let's get started. I am so excited to introduce today's guest, Tess Tevez. Tess is a Melbourne, Australia-based clinician whose expertise focuses on both cancer and sexuality. For over a decade, Tess has been working with people and educating them on the topic while also acting as an occupational therapist globally. Tess has also been battling stage three breast cancer for the past three years and has realized the troubles it can bring when it comes to intimacy, which is why Connectable Therapies was born. Tess's online intimacy and cancer support group has grown to over thousands of people where couples can learn about their feelings of desire, partner dynamics, and communication. Now, I have to say, I'm one of those people who never talks about what's going on in the bedroom. It's just never been my style. So when all these changes happened in my body several years ago because of the cancer, guess what? I continued not to talk about it. Cancer brings a ton of changes to your body. And to be honest, for those of us gracefully aging, some of those changes also come in your late 30s, 40s, and beyond. So I am thrilled to have Tess educate us and provide resources on how we can find more intimacy, even when our body is going through tons of changes. So thank you so much, Tess, for being here today. I'm so nervous about having this conversation, but I'm glad I'm here with an expert, albeit one 
all the way across the world. It is tomorrow for me where you are. I want to say good morning, but it's dark outside where you are. Good evening. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> so, so strange. Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm I'm so excited. Like I said earlier, it's just uh, you bring so much knowledge to the table. I know that you wrote for a few ma- magazines, which is how I came across you. And I'm really curious about what you have to say. So I'd like to really just hand over the mic to you. And and first, if you could start, like, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know what you do now, but how is it that you came about being a sexual clinician? Oh, I am going to try so hard to keep this short. I have I have so much to say on this topic, by the way. So please just, you know, Tess, tone it down a bit. Stop being so excited. Tess, calm down. Oh, I, I love very, you're being excited, excited though. You can be excited <laughs> and you can share, share, share. <laughs> well, I okay, so I've been working in sexuality for a very long time. And initially it started out as uh, a workshop. I I run workshops for a company called Curious Creatures in Australia and we teach communication and consent. And so that work came from, um, I'll just immediately start with a trigger warning, um, some sexual assault uh, that I had received earlier in life. And uh, I just started to see around me, you know, really bad consent, really bad communication. So this company that um, teaches these things and touch and intimacy and pleasure and they took me on board and and I started coaching things like, you know, teaching adults how to say yes and no and I'd like that. Do you like that? No, I'd like that a little bit different. I'm loving this though. Thank you. Just these little, little things and it was life-changing. Then I was I was studying to be an occupational therapist and at university, they were like, you know, OTs, we look at functional activities and self-care and showering and dressing and sex. And I was like, whoa, 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 hang on. We can talk about sex? Oh my God, I love this job. And so then I became that really annoying OT student always asking about sex. I'm like, I feel like I need oh. to p- pump in some music here. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about you and song. me. <laughs> It totally is. Um, yeah, so at, at uni, and then I graduated as an OT, and so I was I was working in neurological rehabilitation for spinal cord injury, stroke, multiple sclerosis, brain injury, and sexuality was a part of my job, helping people sexual sexually rehabilitate themselves with their partners. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. I was diagnosed at the age of 36 with stage 3 breast cancer. I'm still on treatments. And so I'm the sexuality clinician, and... And going through treatments and just being that person who, because it's my world and it's my universe and I know how important this part of our lives is and how difficult it is for people to talk about it, I was painfully aware of how little support and, uh, like, no one talked to me about it. And I and it was just, I couldn't believe it. My sexuality was impacted so severely from treatments, from chemo, radio so I've had seven surgeries my endocrine treatments that I'm on right now and I had to be my own sexuality clinician I had to rehabilitate myself after every treatment and I had to come up with the strategies and the tools and it was exhausting so I was like you know what I'm I'm like I can't imagine how many people there are out there who don't have the skills that I have that are suffering in silence so that's why I do what I do what is it that people come to you and ask about? Oh, there's three, I mean, so much. But I think 
the, there's there's four themes and that the first overarching theme is everyone thinks that they're alone in this and that there is no support and that what they're suffering and experiencing is unique to them. Oh, no, 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 no one else is dealing with vaginal pain and dryness and atrophy. That's just me. And I have to put up with this alone because for some reason, because it's a more private part of our body and it's not spoken about that often, people think that it's not a very common side effect. So I just want to say outright what you are experiencing, dear listener, if you are struggling with something regarding your sex and sexuality, you are not alone. Uh, that's the most important thing that I want everyone to take away from this conversation. Um, and even I did it. I thought I, I was suffering in silence. Like, no, no one's got vulva pain this bad. I couldn't walk for two weeks. My pain was so bad, you know, and, and then I got to breaking point. And then the, my, my doctor was like, oh, yeah, there's a cream for that. Oh, God. So learn from my mistakes, everybody. Okay, what is the cream for that? <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a lot of things for that, actually. And it's three main things. It's, it's libido the drops of our sexual drive and desire. It's the changes in our body and our, our body image in the way we see ourselves. And for people with breast cancer who have vulvas, it's vaginal atrophy. They're the three main things that people come to me seeking support for. Okay, and atrophy, that... Uh, sorry, that's a clinical word for... Um, so treatments can cause the vaginal tissues. So the vagina is the, the canal, the internal portion where things like tampons and fingers and toys and penises can go into. So the lining of that canal actually gets thinner um, and it can get like, imagine that when your hands are a bit dry and cracked, it, imagine it's like that, you know? And so we need to moisturize, like we moisturize our hands. We need to moisturize our vagina, but that's a very common side effect of multiple treatments, not just hormone therapies or endocrine treatments, but chemotherapy can cause these changes. Things like surgeries, if you have organs removed um, and they can change your hormones as well. Like there's, there's a lot of reasons why people might experience dryness. Now it feels like if you're having penetrative sex, it feels like, people say sandpaper a lot or, or burning or glass shards. It sounds a little horrible. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, and the number one way to know if you have atrophy is if you're using lubricants and it still hurts. And so what this means is because lubricants just make things slippery to prevent pain, but lubricants don't fix pain. So that's why you're, if you're using lubricant, it's still going to feel a little bit rough and dry and, and not so great. So what that's when you need to do the moisturizing. So imagine your dry cracked hands and you moisturize your hands a couple of times or regularly and the skin gets healthier. It's the exact same thing with our vagina. All right. And is this the same or similar for those who are going through menopause? Do they go through some yes. of this? Yes. Yes, it is exactly the same. Um, again, it's changes in hormone levels that can create the thinning of these tissues. Now with chemotherapy, it's a little bit different. Chemo uh, breaks down fast multiplying cells. So that's the mucous membrane. So that's why we get mouth ulcers and our stomachs and our, and our vaginal difficulties because membranes in our body. And for me, because we have membranes in our nose, I've got nose ulcers. Would you believe it? God, oh, I had goodness. all of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. So, and so right. I think... Oh, sorry, Karen. No, I was, I was just, just going to ask with... creams, creams. Are there any creams in particular that you think, I feel like there must be a ton on the market, but what works? What do you recommend? Oh, okay. And you are so fortunate to be in the States because you have, oh no, what's the name of it? There's this incredible um, company. So I'll, I'll name a few. We need to be careful. If you have hormone receptive cancer, 
you need to talk to your oncologist before using any type of cream that has a hormone inside because okay. because you can get right. estrogen creams but if you have estrogen receptive cancer you don't right. want to be using those so it's really important to talk to your treating team and i promise you they know the answers you just have to ask <sighs> you know we need to be our own sexual advocates for ourselves unfortunately now all over the world there's a product called replens and that's hormone free. It's sold. I think it's even sold in Target in the States. You're so lucky. <laughs> I mean, for us, it's just on a chemist shelf in Australia. And there's also a product called Vagicil. Now, those two are hormone free. Uh, Replens is a little bit gloopy and it st- stays inside you easier. Is that and better? Vagicil to be is, is a bit. Well, look, it's actually personal choice. I use both um, depending on what I want to do and how much discharge I want to have the next day in my underwear. Vagicil is a little bit runnier, but it has hyaluronic acid. And that is a natural product that our body produces in our synovial joints, which is an incredibly slick, amazing thing to have in our body. So I use Vagicil when I want, like when I'm a little bit more sore, um, and, and I use that because of the high hyaluronic acid. I cannot say that word. <laughs> and, and the replens is more like, a, I, you know, I use that twice a week just to keep regularly moisturizing my vagina. I do it at night when I'm in bed. So then I don't have to stand up and it's kind of, I have overnight so that my vagina can absorb um, the moisturizer overnight. There's also one more product that I really want to recommend though. It's designed by uh, a pelvic floor physiotherapist and it's called Olive and Bee. Now it's purely organic and natural. It's it's beeswax and olive oil. That's it. And you can use it as a lubricant and a moisturizer and it is sensational. It, um, so I, I put a little bit out of the shower. I dab myself dry with a towel because you don't want to wipe because that, that feels sore. And I'll just like pat my vulva, you know, the parts of my genitals that are on the outside of my body, with you know, and I like wipe a little bit of olive and bee or organic coconut oil. Um, and then I'll just walk around in, in a little bit in the nut for a little while around my apartment. I live alone, so I can while it sinks in and then I'll put my underwear on. And, and also I use it if I'm having penetrative sex. I do one more thing. Oh my God, sorry, I have so much to say. <laughs> Please don't use a water-based lubricant if you have vaginal atrophy because what happens is there are so many types of lubricants, but water-based is our body is amazing and what it's designed to do is, is heal. You know, if we cut ourselves, it creates scabs and then it forms new skin. It's amazing. When we have atrophy, our body knows that something isn't quite right. So if we use a water-based lube, it sucks that water up like a sponge because it needs the moisture to try and heal. And what will happen is you're going to get dry very, very quickly. And if you're engaged in play, you might be distracted and you might not be topping up regularly. And you could actually do more damage to your internal tissues. So silicon-based lubes or that olive and bee product or organic coconut oil lasts a lot longer inside you and it can help prevent discomfort. Yeah, so so the, the, there are a few. Oh, oh, and more. <laughs> of course I've got more to say. <laughs> Blood flow. So if you go for a daily walk, Um, it it gets your hip joints in motion and gets blood flow to the deep internal tissues. And that is amazing to heal your vaginal atrophy. If you have a bath, have a soak in a warm bath, it relaxes the muscles, gets the blood pumping. And it's another, it sounds so strange, but blood is everything. So if you can get your circulation up 
um, that will actually help with your atrophy as well. I know that this is a ongoing issue for so many people with cancer. And I know that it's an ongoing issue with women as we age because things are changing. And that's why I think having this conversation or maybe just us listening to you as our bodies change and providing so many resources. So, all right, we talked a bit about the dryness. We know that that is, um, that's very important and you have some great, you know, items that you spoke about. Now, can you talk about, I believe that I've heard when people have surgery, their organs change. Like for instance, people who have cancer, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, they'll have maybe a hysterectomy. And so their insides and their organs have changed, therefore making it different down there. Mm. What, um, what kind of recommendations do you have for people, not necessarily post-surgery like six weeks, but as things move on and they change, you know, knowing that, again, it's different inside. So I think it's very important to help people realize that it's okay not to go from zero to hero. And by that, I mean having no sex to then jumping straight into sex. And by sex, I mean whatever it is that you do when you say to your partner, you know, I would love to have sex with you, whatever that means, because sex is a very, very broad term and doesn't necessarily mean penetration you know there's many types of many ways of having sex but uh, I think when our bodies are changing and have changed and we've had surgery and things are got they are going to be different there could be things like nerve damage maybe areas are a little bit number or less sensitive or maybe they're more sensitive and the only way for uh, you to understand how your body how your new body is going to work and and don't worry if it's working differently you're not happy with that you can rehabilitate pleasure and orgasmicity don't worry about that there are ways but in the meantime it's so important to go slow you have to baby step if you jump right off that cliff into the sex ocean it's going to be scary you're going to be nervous and it's going to be unfamiliar and when we're a little bit worried even in the background of our mind we get tense our muscles tense and that is not going to be a pleasurable experience and then you might think that sex is something that your body doesn't enjoy anymore so you've got to go really very gently and slowly so i am all about touch dates i mean to get to the sex ignore the sex i want you to get a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and you put the timer on and you say to your partner, right, you're going to very slowly touch my body with your fingertips, every part of my body, starting at my face and ending at my feet for 10 minutes. And you breathe and you just notice, huh, I have sensation there. Oh, I really like that there. Oh, I don't like being touched there so much. That's really good to know. Don't focus on the genitals at first. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a space of trauma. And it's a space of healing and surgery. But you want to re-engage with your whole body. Timer goes off, then you switch, and then you do the same to your partner. This is very, very connective. It's about intimacy. When people aren't, <laughs> when people are scared to have sex, it's like this thing where we disconnect from ourselves and we disconnect from our partner. You know, we can look detached or disinterested. And there's there's a reduction in affection and connection. Um, and it's going to be really hard to want sex without those things in your life. So you want to be intimate, kiss each other goodnight every night with a word of love, hug in the morning, but have a really long hug, you know, make each other one offer a day. 
that is something like, I'd love to kiss you on the neck. How do you feel about that? Or making sure you give each other a compliment, like, I love you. You need affection and connection and intimacy to then feel more comfortable in your body to engage in sex, especially after you've had changes. And things like surgery, it's very unfamiliar territory. So that slow pace and that time is very important. And after a few touch dates, you know, then you can be like, okay, now we're going to try, we're going to do 10 minutes of touch, but we're going to do it on the lower half of my body. So a lot slower, but we're going to focus, you know, so it'll include the genitals, but my inner thighs, you know. And so then you're like, baby stepping yourself and you're calming your nervous system you might be getting to know your body easing your anxieties and your stress and your concern i call it the brain chatter the oh my god what's happening i don't know if this is okay are they liking this i don't know i don't know if i'm liking this do they think i'm having a bad time should i say something you know that chatter but if you if you've got that timer it just frees your mind because you're like, well, this isn't about it going somewhere. So I don't need to worry about that. It's not that, uh, is this going to lead to sex paranoia? It's about, oh, no, no, I just get to really enjoy and learn about my body and the touch I'm experiencing. And it sounds very strange, but <laughs> when the, the people that I support, when they do try these things, they're just like, oh, my God, I didn't realize my inner thighs were so sensitive. You know, it's, it's about learning and connecting with your partner. It's really, it can be quite delicious and it's a lovely baby step. What's interesting as you say this is you, you and I connected obviously because of our mutual cancer journey. And I, in this podcast, want to help people find their happiness through their hardship. Largely that's chronic illness or just going through a deep, dark time where intimacy might be an issue. So on that, I just think of how many people that we know that just get busy in life. Their life might still be great. It's not even bad, but they're so busy that they fall asleep. You know, like so many of us, we fall asleep at night because we've had too much to do. Maybe we're watching TV. And so this intimacy, you talk about this 10 minute touch or this 10 minute, 10 minute date, what'd you call it? The a touch, touch date, date touch date. It. Yeah. It's brilliant. There's two things I very much want to confirm and, and speak to of what you said is first, uh, it's like, it's like when we're in high school. Okay. Maybe in an Australian high school, I'll, I'll, I'll use Aussie, Aussie examples. This thing of consent was like, you touch someone with your knee against their knee. And if they don't flinch away, that's, that's you saying, yes, you can touch me. And then it becomes a hand on the knee. And then the hand goes up the leg. And then it turns into full body contact. And then maybe it's a kiss. And then maybe it's full body touch. And then it leads to sex. And there's this unspoken rule of, you know, touch needs to lead to sex. And so when we're disconnected from our bodies and we're undergoing treatments and as it, like, how could we not disconnect from our bodies? It, look at what's happening to us. We're being poisoned and we're having surgeries and radiation and we're being handled by strangers of course we're going to disconnect from ourselves that's 100 percent normal but it's that thing of oh god if i if i kiss my partner are they going to think i want sex i'm not ready for sex and that's the part where it turns from intimacy switching off and there's that chasm of, of no sex, but also no intimacy. So having a space where you can communicate with your partner, like, I really want to be intimate with you. I'm just not ready for this particular type of stuff. But hey, feel free to pleasure yourself and I can, and I can lie next to you. Um, 
those touch dates and those in- intimacy, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to connect with your partner without that should brain is this, you know, should I have sex? Should I want sex? Do they, do they think this is going to lead to sex? So unfortunately it does need a bit of communicating, but you can make offers in a way that it's very clear, Hey, I'm going to have a bath. Would you like to join me for some downtime? That's very clear about this is not going to lead to sex, but I'd like to have a bath with you. You know, I'd like to touch you. How about a five minute massage? You know, very clear, you know, things like that. You also mentioned being tired at the end of the day. And yes, why do we need to be sexy at the end of the day? That's when we're exhausted. And even though I'm a total insomniac from my treatments right now, I can't sleep, but I'm still exhausted at the end of the day. And so like something I did very recently with a couple that um, I was supporting, we, we went through their schedule. We went, all right, I want you to show me your weekly daily schedule. And so one person was working like 5am to 4pm and then the other person, you know, stage four, she rests a lot, stays at home. And so we found in their schedule that Saturday mornings, if he postpones his bicycle ride, that's an opportunity, that's an energetic opportunity for them to connect and be intimate. And so they, instead of feeling bad about every single night, not being able to have sex because they're too tired, they had something to look forward to when they were both going to have a bit more energy and they put an hour aside Saturday morning together. And they just rearranged a few things in their schedule. And I got an email back from them um, a couple of days ago, actually. And they're delighted. They're like, oh, my God, we were able to both enjoy it. And it was really lovely. And so, you know, finding that time, it doesn't have to be at the end of the day. You know, you, you can plan. It doesn't, it's not spontaneous, but it's intentional. And that's still pretty sexy. Right. And I mean, that it's otherwise it may not happen because yeah. life just gets busy and you kind of, you know, days go into days, go into weeks. And so that makes a lot of sense. And, hey, I'm happy for them because, like you said, a little bit of communication and a little bit of planning can go a long way. Mm-hmm. But I guess the next thing you brought up in the in the beginning when you were talking about some of the, the um, areas that you really cover that people ask about is also that, like, the libido. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so what if, you know, I... I've heard a lot of people say that when I when I have been around cancer discussions of that the libido changes and my guess is with menopause that happens as well. What do you suggest for people that are dealing with that? Libido is extremely complicated. <laughs> um, firstly, just to clarify, by libido I mean the wanting. You know, I want to engage in pleasure and sex. You know, I'm, it's also known as desire or sex drive, being horny. Um, And it has a lot of layers to it. So libido and that, that wanting it's, it's okay. So there's the psych psychological factors that impact your libido, like stress, being mentally tired, anxiety, um, worried, you know, all of those things that, you know, life and cancer can bring. Then there's the physiological things that impact libido, the changes in our body. Maybe we have pain. Maybe we have surgery. Maybe we're having endocrine treatments that impact your libido, like I'm on right now. Um, You know, there's so many things. And then there's also the neurological side of libido, which is how our brain is wired around wanting. And so 
I'm sure many of you listening to this will be familiar with this term, use it or lose it. Um, it's a neurological term, which just means how I describe this is your desire is a bicep, you know. So imagine you go to the bicep, you go to the gym, you work, you know, you work on your on your bicep regularly and your bicep gets bigger, you know. And so with us, you know, if we're engaging in touch and pleasure, those pleasure pathways and those sections in our brain, they get bigger. But if we don't go to the gym, the bicep gets weaker. And that's the exact same thing that happens with our libido and our arousal and our desire pathways you know so this is going to sound very very strange but there's a few things to do i mean look if you're on treatments like i'm on right now the tamoxifen oh my goodness i cannot stand (laughs) i've got three more years to go of this sweet sweet hell um you know i i'm on tamoxifen right now so i know that i cannot completely rehabilitate my libido because i'm on a treatment right now that's blocking it but I can do things to create a little bit of wanting. And strangely enough, I'm going back to intimacy. So keeping, imagine you want to keep the coals burning. So relighting the fire is easier. And the way to do that is through affection and connection and touch. And I also want to touch on arousal responses. Now arousal, so libido is the wanting and arousal is the thing that our body does when we're in pleasure. So that could look like, you know, your heart rate increases, your breathing gets heavier, maybe you become wet, maybe you become hard, you know, all, all those arousal responses. Now, treatments can actually give us a delayed arousal response. So it takes us a lot longer to get into pleasure. And a lot of people think that they don't have any type of desire or enjoyment for sex anymore. But in actual fact, it's just that they take a lot more time to get into it. So again, this is where warm up and touch and affection is so essential. If you're connecting with a partner and it takes you time to get into it, have a massage beforehand, kiss longer. Maybe you want to watch some erotic film together, you know, have kisses slowly down your spine. So you kind of get into the mood, get some toys. Because if what, what happens is if you're forcing yourself to have sex, we have should brain. I should give, I should give my partner what they want. By the way, your partner can have sex with himself anytime. Sex is a gift and it's not to be taken for granted. And it is not something that is a chore, but if you're forcing yourself to have sex, you're actually, your brain is going to start to neurologically wire itself and think that sex is a chore, not something to be enjoyed. So you have to be very careful. If you're forcing yourself to have sex, you're going to want it less. So we're going back to that intimacy and those touch practices. You want to be left wanting more. This is why that timer is so good because when that timer goes off, you have to stop. And if you, if that timer goes off and you're like, oh, I really want more touch, that is what we want your brain to experience. We want you to want. And though that intimacy and those short time frames, it's like you're brain hacking yourself. Even though you know what you're doing, your brain still wires in a way it's like, oh, I do really like touch. I, I, I like this. I like my partner touching me. I want more of this. That's how you can create more of that desire and a connection. So again, it's not about, <laughs> it's not focusing on the sex to get to the sex. You, you'll get there, but you, you've got to start at those foundational things first. You know, the affection, the intimacy. That's why I call myself an intimacy OT, not a sex OT. I'm an intimacy OT because intimacy is everything.
Now, is there anything else that you would like to recommend to the listeners out there? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, by the way, I don't have stocks in these products. I'm, I'm not making money off re- recommending these, by the way. It's just because they're, they're really good, you know, referring to those lubes and the olive and bee. But there's a product called the O-Nut, O-H-N-U-T. Think donut, but without the D. Now, what this does is for people who have, so vaginal atrophy is a side effect of treatments, but for some people as well, the vaginal canal can shorten or with surgeries, you know, things just are a different shape. And so what happens is if you're having penetration styled sex, it might feel uncomfortable deeper inside you. So what the O-nut is, is it's a really comfortable, like it's a silicon thing, thing that's very descriptive it it goes on the the penis and what it does is it acts as a way to shorten or reduce the length of the penis or the toy and so so penetration isn't as deep for the person who has the vagina now it's very comfortable and it's it's doing so well and this is also very very wonderful for people who have say um radiation internally or um very sensitive cervixes, you know, you just want to reduce that depth of penetration. And it's a very, it's a wonderful product and it's, it's doing really well. And I just want to, and, and this is also applicable for people with menopause who are having changes in their vaginal canal too. It's amazing. Now I just thought of something I've seen, was it commercials or maybe I've seen in magazines? Is it a surgery called the Mona Lisa smile? What's that? <sighs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, if it's bad. And the name is like yeah. funny. No. Uh, well, Thank tell you me for about bringing that. this up. This is very important. Thank you. Um, so the Mona Lisa touch is a laser therapy. Now it's actually a laser treatment that was designed for something else. Ah, what was and, it designed for? Uh, I can't remember, but nothing that was you know, to rejuvenate vaginal tissues. So the Mona Lisa touch procedure has been banned in a lot of countries because it's, because it's, it doesn't actually, there's no science to prove that it does what they say it does. And they're not sure if it's safe. And the people who run the machines aren't medical professionals. So it's banned in a lot of countries, but it's also up and running in a bunch of countries too. So it's a real mixed bag. So what I want to say to you, listener, is please approach this with curiosity, but please don't get your hopes up. It is extremely expensive. And in the support groups I have, you know, people all over the world, it's it's been great for some people and it's been the reverse for others. And it's uh, costs a lot of money and... Yeah, there's just, there's not enough data behind it to prove that it actually does what it says it does. So um, I just want to say, yeah, please use caution and talk to your gynecologist and only do it if it's recommended by someone who has examined you and who understands the actual, you know, the laser itself um, because it's a real mixed bag. Wow, there are so many gems of wisdom that you are saying here that I feel like uh, you could write a book. Although actually you did write a book. What is, oh my goodness, as I'm saying that, what is, what's the title of your book? It's called, uh, it's called A Better Normal. So I've got to imagine that your book is something that makes you happy, but can you share with us, the listeners here, 
what you're working on now or what things make you happy. Obviously, this podcast is called Happiness Through Hardship. So wherever we are in life and wherever you are in life, can you share with us, you know, what makes you happy right now? So I'm still in lockdown. <laughs> so I have been living in my little apartment for two years. Um, so I am, you know, there are claw marks on the walls. So I'm. what makes me happy is... I get these emails from all over the world. I wake up in the morning and it's an email from someone in South Africa saying, Tess, I took your advice and my partner and I made love for the first time in three years. Or And, and of course I cry. I burst out crying and I'm laughing wow. and I'm all over the shop because Tamoxifen and <laughs> I'm a very emotional right, person. Right. And yeah, and I just, I guess I'm just... But without this work, I feel like I'm, I, I'm nothing, you know, this is my purpose. I'm helping so many people, you know, and I, and I, I have, I have such a unique set of skills. Who's the OT who's also a somatic sexologist, you know, who has cancer. And I think my happiness right now is, is those stories, those people reaching out to me like, Tess, thank you. You've helped me love myself again. You know, things like that. It's just, yeah, it's the reason I get up in the morning right now. And listen, I can understand that in a way because I think I, I felt like I never imagined being an author. Like to me, I was the girl I went to school to be on TV. And so all the work I do talking about wellness or talking about inspiration and cancer on TV, like that I could have told you when I was probably 10. You know, not the cancer part. I never imagined that. But that might be the direction I would go. The writing of the book has been not just the, the writing of it that was cathartic in ways, but also helped me realize that stories matter and that not just the story in itself, but all the things that we stumble upon in our experience are resources for somebody else. And I've had, because of the book, and I think you'll see with your book too, it's, it's, you don't know who you reach and then you mm. do and you help. And I, again, I can identify with you because it, is really, you know, I say you don't get cancer twice, let alone stage four cancer that I've been living with for eight years and not do anything with it. And so it, it feels, you know, I may have tried for a really long time, you know, 20 years in corporate working in sports and entertainment. And I loved that. And, you know, I'd like to think I, I made, made a bit of a mark there, but this is just so much more monumental. And mm. I, you know, I, I, I see that you're feeling that as well. And I know that the book will, bring that even more, you know, not everybody is as connected. A lot of people are, but I think you're reaching so many people both by your, um, your groups as well as in your clients, as well as, you know, now you're going to have readers. Yeah. And the reason I created this book is because, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I have articles on my website. I have the support group. I have an online course for couples to recover libido and connection and intimacy. But I just wanted a space where it's all in one. And for the people that are too scared to speak up, and there's a lot of people who don't know how to talk about this stuff and who don't know how to ask the questions, I wanted something that's the, that they can hold on to and read in the privacy of their own home, duck under the covers with their torch, you know, maybe accidentally leave it out for their partner to read. Um, just these things, you know, and just because it is, we're raised in a culture to not talk about this. So how can we live it if we can't even talk about it? So I'm hoping that this is a way for me to reach those people who are a little bit, you know, a little bit uncertain or just I don't, don't know how to think about that. 
that's, yes. that again, that's brilliant because you're right. I mean, it took a lot for me to reach out to you and have this conversation, knowing that that's just not a conversation that I have, you know, but yet I'm willing to do it, right? There's so many people that, you know, don't even want to talk about having anything in their life. So mm-hmm. that I, I, I really look forward to reconnecting with you in several months and seeing how it all goes. And listen, I'm so grateful again, you know, it's your morning, it's my night. I am. And to all the listeners out there who knows where you're coming from, what, what, what time it is there. Uh, but I end each episode playing what I call the grateful game. And I was wondering if you would play with me. Sure. Okay. What is this? So I will tell you about it. And for the listeners who are new, I hope that you will play along too. The Grateful Game is like a gratitude practice that my son and I created when he was nine. I will say I kind of believe it was because he didn't want to go to bed and any excuse to like stay up later with me (laughs) is maybe why it originated. But what it's turned into is this daily practice where we go throughout our day and we look and see what's going on in our day that we liked, what's something positive that happened that we're grateful for, and then we share it with each other at the end of the day. So what I would like to do is is play that with you, and I'll kick it off. We talk about what we're grateful for and why. And again, is this going to cure our cancer? No, it's not. However, it helps us go throughout the day and see what's going on and what makes us smile, and that might make it easier for put, for us to put one foot in front of the other, and make it a little our, our days a little bit easier and a, a little bit more joyful. So I will kick it off. And many times I tell people like it's not about the big things because of course I'm grateful for my health. But you know what? Going through radiation day, you know, day in and day out for a few weeks and going to all the doctor's appointments and you're grateful for your health, but sometimes it bogs you down too. So mm. I often focus on the little things. For instance, I am grateful for my friend Stacy that Um, got me back into drinking infused water. When I was going through radiation, she showed up at my house with little bags of strawberry, mint, blackberries, and lemons, and was like, listen, I know you got to hydrate more. Here, try this. And by the way, I used to talk all the time. I always talk about the importance of hydration, but I talk about, you know, how can you find it fun? And I just kind of fell off the bandwagon. And so I'm grateful that I'm back on. I'm grateful that my friend reached out and brought me that little gift because it continues to help me hydrate. And hydration is key in life. If you care about your wellness, uh, I'm guessing you're going to say it's key when you're talking about like your sexual health. And it's definitely, it's, it's definitely key when you're talking about your overall health. So, okay, that was over 30 seconds and I'm stuck at one. (laughs) So I am tossing it to you. I'm just looking at my window now and I'm grateful that the sun is shining and we're going into spring and I've just discovered a little park bench next to a creek that is full of water, which is very rare in Australia because we're sunburnt country and it's always drought. But I sit on the bench now, I go for a walk in the sun and I sit and I close my eyes and I just calm myself for about 10 minutes. I'm really grateful that I'm able to do that. Can I tell you that so many of these, you know, at the time we're recording this, we're in the 60s in terms of episodes that are 
that I've recorded and so many people when talking about what they're grateful for that I've interviewed or that are talking about overall wellness, talk about the outdoors and how it's Mm. so healing and nature. nature is so healing. And I wonder if it's a combination of, I don't know, you get older and wiser and sometimes you realize it's not all the massive toys or major experiences. It's what you have at your fingertips. Um, you know, and I, I also think that with COVID, so many of us were stuck indoors for so long. It's like the opportunity to, to be outside in nature and close your eyes and feel like connected to something outside of yourself or your four walls is pretty powerful too. Mm. So I, um, well, I guess we tied one to one, but you know what? Like it doesn't matter as my mom would say, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. It's how you play the game. And I am incredibly grateful that we have connected. I am so happy that we, that you are here to share your knowledge. And now for those people who, you know, don't want to go online and connect, you know that there's a book. Now, will you tell Mm -hmm. people again how to connect with you if they want to and where to get the book? Oh, thanks. Sure. Um, so the book's for sale. Uh, it's an ebook format or paperback on Amazon. So you can just type in a better normal or test of as, but it's easier to spell a better normal <laughs> and the book will come up. It's, it's sold um, globally. I will also include it in the, in the show notes. So if people go in, I'll, I'll, they can look there and there'll be a link. Oh, thank you. And um, also my my business page is connectabletherapies.com. And if you're wanting to look at my YouTube channel, access my online support group, the articles, resources, uh, the online course for couples, it's all it's all on that site in one place for you. This is again, I'm I can't wait. I think your book is gonna do really well. I am so grateful that we're here having this conversation. And for all you listeners out there, you know, I hope that this has helped you. No matter where you're at in life, just think about what you want in terms of intimacy, whether it's for right now or it's for in the future. Because wherever we are in life, we can find hardship, great times. We are able to find joy during whatever journey we are going through in life. So thank you again, Tess. This has been great. And thank you for the listeners for joining me on this um, new and exciting conversation down a road. I've never, you've never had this conversation publicly. So uh, I hope it helped. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to leave you with a quick thought, but first a request, please take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe. You leaving a review helps us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And tell your friends about us. If you love us, they might too. And now, my parting words. I hope this episode brought inspiration for you to think about what you want in terms of intimacy. Whether it's for now or later on in life, it is reassuring to know that there are resources, including Tess's book and her company that can help bring back that spark no matter what you're going through in life. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you lots of happiness and great health. Bye for now.